Hey, this is Grandpa. You're listening to Fires on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 210 of Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. We're going to go over this big-ass exodus of people that happened this weekend, and some of it's today, and holy cow. I kind of feel like Exodus is the wrong Bible book to be citing today. Because we had some Genesis type of stuff with all this rain and storm and flooding. How did you fare? I fared just fine. So and did I. Uh, and I, you know, I knew a lot of the the storm was going to be in East County. Like most of it was going to be in East County through the deserts, through the mountains, and a lot of that north northeast of us is you know is Palm Desert, Palm Springs, all those dry areas that were going to get saturated with all this rain, Coachella Valley. Um. And we're here in Mission Valley, which is pretty much in the center of the city. And we got pretty heavy rain. And we bought a couple of batteries for some flashlights that we found and got a case of water. Um, and that was about it. Like, we weren't expecting much when we were expecting, you know, what they were telling us. But everything I read kept saying it was going to be east, going to be east. Two and a half, you know, inch and a half to two inches of rain in you know the coastal areas, which was which wasn't too bad. We had a couple of uh, of floaties blown out of our pool. That was pretty much right. the extent of what we saw. Uh, but, you know, seriously, though, there are people in those areas that are dealing with a lot of flooding. So I don't mean to to make light of the situation. And in parts of, of Baja, they got absolutely pounded, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and they don't have the building codes that we do here and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, hopefully everybody made it through all right. But we made it through just fine. Yes. So not only was it Exodus, it was. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> right. Okay. So we've got the major league minute today. We've got a bunch of Padres farmhands climbing the ladder, uh, the minor league movement. And then we've got the affiliate rundown for you. Um, and a little bit of baseball America article in there in well, the interspersed. In between that, there are more awards going out to players that are on the move and some that are staying here and are staying where they are. And yeah, like all the minor league announcements happened today. Lots of news dropping. With- yeah, let's start with the Matt Waldron, you know, I uh, with the Major League Minute. And, you know, the team is what the team is what I said it was going to be two months ago. I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but I certainly said it on Twitter. It's like after the first, you know, 60, 70, 80 games, pretty much that's the team we're going to get. They're going to be around 500. If they're lucky, they get above 500. And that's what we got. Like, you, it's so hard for a team to make these historic runs. And they're still putting it out on Twitter, you know, and those guys, you know, the Jeff Sanders and, and and those guys are they have to put it out to have to have a historic run, and they'll cite some team that went on a you know a thirty one and two run to make the playoffs, and it's just I don't see it happening. Well, they got to say that kind of stuff. But so you've described how you have your breakup team. Yeah. I've decided my breakup team this year is chaos. That I want to see all of the ties at the end. I want to oh, see right. everybody come down to it and like. <laughs> Eight teams all tied yeah. for those wild card spots. However many are in the hunt, um, because yeah, I I don't see the Padres making it there. So you know, let's go Marlins and Reds and and everybody. I want to see everybody just stack up right there. So then everybody has to get out their abacus and figure out all the tiebreakers. Now that we have tiebreakers, it was just a couple of years ago they didn't have all these tiebreakers. Right. If it came down to the end of the season and the Cardinals were tied with the Reds. 
they were having a one game playoff to see who was going going on. And I kind of like that. I I don't know that I, oh, what's the head to head record? What was their record in interleague play? What was their record in division play? You know, who scored more runs on Saturdays? It's, it's a little too complicated and book worky to me rather than just put them in a ring and duke it out. Dude, I've, I've made weekend tournaments in Vegas and up at LA with like one win because we scored a bunch of runs against a bunch of, you know, the one team we won was like, well, the one team we beat was the, was the one seed and we scored a bunch of runs against another ones. And we got in with one win out of the four games. And because of that kind of stuff, like just the math and craziness of it, the Cubs are still in it. The, you know, the giants are pushing, uh, but the Marlins who came in tonight are, are, are still in it. And we're not. And, now, you know, I just looked on Twitter and I'm going to stop there because I, Ryan Weathers is our guy, Weathers report, but everyone's like, oh, thank God Ryan Weathers is coming in today. I'm, God, I hope he just shoves tonight. I oh, hope you know he he's going to. There's I this whole trend hope. of former Padres coming to town and just owning it. I mean, look what Tommy Pham did last weekend. Yeah. He went off and he's having an okay season, but not like that. Probably doesn't help when you got people, you know, getting under your collar and and yeah. and ticking you off a little bit. And he's somebody that plays well when he's got that chip on his shoulder. So yeah, Ryan Weathers. I think he gave up six runs in just a couple innings his first start with the Marlins. So now today, pencil him in for six plus shutout innings. He's yeah. just going to make Padres hitters look like a bunch of fools. Yeah. So ma- major league minute. Matt Waldron <laughs> made a spot start in the uh, in the doubleheader. That's our our big highlight for it. Uh, unfortunately, he wound up getting rung up for a couple of runs late. I thought he was doing pretty well. He had three runs through four. Um, you know, it's just a matter of when do you pull the guy. It already seemed like they were set up to like to piggyback. You know, bring in a long reliever behind him. So yeah, but it's a doubleheader. You want to try to get as much as you can out of the guy because you know bullpen's short. So Absolutely. I get it. And, and, I, and I thought that he's he's really not that far off from being at least uh, a serviceable number five or even, you know, a, a decent number five. He just needs a little bit of work on his pitch mix. He had some control issues. So he kept, you know, got ahead of a couple guys and then would, you know, then he would lose the, the confidence. Or he'd lose the control. Um, He's just maybe a, 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 a tick or two. You know, we're going to talk about it here in a minute about development, but just a little bit more development under Actually, being a serviceable major league starter, starter. Did you happen to watch the broadcast? Because there were a couple of interesting yeah. little nuggets that that happened during the broadcast. I, I did, but I um, yeah. What did so you one of them? So <laughs> Tom Candiotti is a radio analyst for the Diamondbacks, and so there was one inning where he came and sat in the booth uh, with Don Orsillo. And we're talking about knuckleballs and the history of the knuckleball and how, you know, how do you learn it and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I, I always love that kind of stuff uh, where you get, you know, a different voice, a little different insight. And then there was the shot of after, after Waldron came out of the game where he's standing there on the railing and he's talking to Rich Hill and Rich Hill is holding the ball and you see him, he's trying the knuckleball grip. Like, okay, I do it like this. And Waldron's like, okay, yeah. And you hold your hand like that and you let it go like this. And, and, so and they were talking about oh, well maybe Rich Hill's going to learn a knuckleball and stick around for another ten years. Well, I like what he said about um about the amount of times he's he's throwing it. So he wasn't throwing it, but maybe what 15 percent of the time, right? Uh, when he wanted him to start throwing it a lot more, um, that takes a little bit more time because remember he you know in high A even in the double A he was throwing it like seventy percent of the time with the fastball and with mixed results. 
Didn't well, he was change. learning the pitch still. Right, right. And then not, not that you ever master the knuckleball. I mean, it's something you just kind of learn how to control a little bit. Right. So I, I think there, there's a there's a heavy medium there where he can throw that knuckleball enough with you know with the 93 mile an hour fastball and and, a, and the nasty slider is it's pretty it's pretty good slider. Um, where once again I think there is room for him on a rotation and certainly. I bet you he'll be vying for uh, for a rotation spot next spring. Well, he'll have two more option seasons after this. And so definitely the kind of guy that you stash in AAA. Maybe he's a shuttle guy. You bring him up for a half dozen starts throughout the season. Uh, because as we've beleaguered in the past, teams use you know 10 to 15 starting pitchers oh, yeah. throughout the course of the season now. Um, so, yeah, he's going to stick around for a while. All right. So let's move on because that's about it. That's about it. So talk, let's talk about the Exodus. Exodus. Oh, yeah. But first, I just put this in right before we started. MLB Pipeline came out with their team of the week. And Grand Pauly and Jackson Merrill both made the MLB Pipeline team of the week. Pauly, dude, hit 435, 458, 913 with three homers in six games this last week. He's beast. been on a power surge. Where does this power come from? Dude, beast mode. He's hitting. He's hitting shoestring sliders in the dirt, and he's hitting them out. He's getting down there and getting them. And then Jackson Merrill went eight for twenty with two HRs. So both right. those guys made the MLB Pipeline Team of the Week. Yeah, it seems then- like Jackson's been just steady, consistent yeah. since he showed up to Double A. He hasn't really missed a beat. And, you know, maybe he's one of these guys. I've heard somebody say that when they got up to a certain level, the pitchers were able to work within the strike zone. And that actually made it easier for them to hit because they, you know, they didn't have to spit on so much stuff that's in the other batter's box. They they could find more pitches to hit because they're around the zone more. God, who we talked to someone that's in an interview of ours. Right. With God, was it? I can't remember. It might have even been might have been Ty France. I'm I feel like might have been somebody like that. Yeah, where you know you get out of the you get you get out of the complex and then A ball, you're like, okay, now they're starting to throw strikes. You get into high A, they're starting to throw everything a little bit better, and then but in the zone, and absolutely. Um I, I he's really took it to a second gear in, in double A. I wasn't expecting I was expecting him to hold his own, certainly. Um, but he has kicked it into a gear where he is, you know, that's another one of the things we have on the agenda is the potential of moving him up, which we'll discuss in a minute. But like he has kicked it into another gear. He has. All right. So the other awards that came out this week, uh, both Brandon Dixon and Anderson Espinosa were named player of the week for the Pacific Coast League. Obviously, Dixon on offense, Espinosa pitching. So great to see Espy turn in a couple of a couple of solid appearances back to back here. Uh, and then Victor Lizarraga won Midwest league pitcher of the week. And the cool thing about that to me is that just the other day, MILB was hyping up that game. That was their game of their like free game of the day Yeah, was watching the tin caps and it was Victor Lizarraga starting. So he went out there through a gem when the lights were the brightest. And we have both those. We have Anderson Espinosa and Victor Lizarraga starts in our affiliate rundown. All right, so moving on to the exodus. Uh, so mass movement up the Padres system here. So moving from from high A to double A, you've got Robbie Snelling, Graham Pauly, Jacob Marcy, Nathan Martorella, and Ethan Salas. Uh, the surprising, the, obviously the big name there is Salas. And I'm surprised that he moved up to double A, uh, being as young as he is, first year in pro ball, all that kind of stuff. Um 
you know, there have been some some chatter. Going, I saw Kyle Glazer just chipped in on it on Twitter. People are kind of scratching their head at that one. Yeah, yeah. I it, for for me, um, we you know he he's a special kid, but for me, it just sniffs a little bit of desperation on AJ Preller's part. Like he has to have something to show for. Um, I don't, I don't I, you know, for 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 him, they better expect to, and I'm sure he's going to fail. They expect him to fail. Um, how much of that failure will affect him? And, and Ethan Salas has the makeup plus one. He knows it's a process. He knows there's going to be struggle. He knows. He understands that. I just wonder how much it's going to really kind of unconsciously w- work against him. In God, he was having problems with sliders and, and curveballs in in IA. Right. So I've got here his first 43 games in a ball. He hit 292 with a 380 on base and a 532 slugging. Absolutely crushing it. It was outstanding. Everybody was saying wonderful things about him. His last week in a ball plus the two weeks he's had in high a he's batted 146 with a 175 on base and a 182 slug. So only one extra base hit in that time. And that that's already struggling to me. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that they moved him up to high A in the first place. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of off the field stuff. You know, how right, is he right. forming relationships with his teammates, learning how to create game plans, um, you know, working with pitchers, in-game adjustments, this kind of things. And that stuff all takes time for these guys to learn. So then moving him up a level, up a level, that only cranks up the 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 focus on all that that work. Yeah. Um you know, and the results. So now he's going to be in double A where they're they're already in the playoffs. So what you're going to have him starting playoff games or DHing playoff games? I, I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see him twice a week uh, behind the dish and once at DH, if not twice at DH. Well, if that in that case, then why don't you just leave him in a ball where he can play every day? Right. And then, there, you know, the thought also was there. of Maybe maybe it's the development crew that's in in, in double A that's going to matter. Um, I, you know, maybe the guys in double A, because there's not a lot of guys in double A other than the group that he's coming up with that are going to be on the big league roster, say in a year or two years. That's a big question. And they want these guys to, you know, this group of people to work together. That's fantastic. Have them Snelling and, and Polly and Marcy, have these guys all work together going up the system. But there are, there are not two, four, there's not five or six spots on that major league roster with any of those guys' names on it. Other than oh, yeah. South, you, you know what I mean? And and even for Robbie Snelling, as good as he's doing, um, I doubt all those guys make it to the Padres roster. You mean you're talking about next year? I'm talking about next year. I'm talking about 2025. I'm talking about 2026. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, the major league uh, roster is pretty set. Every single one of these guys is talented. Yeah. So I guess maybe there's a little bit of that showcasing aspect to it um i i do like the idea of consolidating your good talent and then you bring in all your best coaches and you kind of it's like a mini camp kind of a thing that you um this, the rest of these guys i mean paulie's been going off nathan martorell has been consistently hitting for power marcy's been performing on both sides and he's been on a yeah. tear the last couple of weeks and then snelling he moved up 
and hardly missed a beat. He just kept on doing what he was doing in, in single A. So all of those guys, you can look at them and say, okay, they've been playing above this level of competition. They've, they've earned it. Um, the other shoe that hasn't quite fallen yet, we haven't seen too many moves to make space for these guys. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. We're probably going to see those transactions as soon as we, <laughs> as soon as we hit stop today. Um, but I did see that Jared Alvarez Lopez, a catcher and outfielder, Justin Farmer were released by the Padres today. Um, yeah. But so moving on. So moving from, Single A to high A, you've got Dylan Lesko, Sammy Zavala, Griffin Dorshing, Devin Ortiz, and Tyler Robertson. Um, again, a handful of guys that are all performing at a high level at single A. And so you can look at each of those and say, yeah, they've, they've earned a promotion to one extent or another. Yeah, definitely Ortiz and Robertson have been have been doing really well. Griffin Dorshing is 25. He has struggled this year, and he hasn't had the power that he had last year. Um, but I think they need to push him up to because of the age, and they need guys now that you know now that they they move all these other guys less. And, and certainly, Sammy Zavala has been has nothing to prove in high A and has been hitting the ball very hard all season. Four power, think, four average. I think he's leading the uh, the Cal League in RBIs and in walks or on base percentage or something like that. He's been absolutely on a tear as well. Uh, so an interesting note about Griffin Dorshing, the uh, who was it at uh, the Tin Caps retweeted from oh, yeah. 2021. <laughs> somebody was at uh, Parkview Field and they said, no idea who 52 from NKU Norse baseball is. But this man put a dent in the building from all the way yeah. out there. And it was Griffin Dorshing when he was playing Juco ball, yeah. hitting absolute tanks, hitting the building that's across the concourse uh, behind the stands yeah. in, in left field. So I hope they've got, there's windows right above where that ball right, hit. Right, right. So he's even stronger now. He's bigger and stronger. So I hope they put some plexiglass up in front of those windows. Oh, yes. But even, you know, and you can even push, like, I understand sometimes at the end of the season, you do get those guys, you move them up a little bit. You're Dylan Lesko's, you certainly are Sammy Zavala's, um, to kind of get them settled in before they go back to the following year, you know, next year. Uh, but Lesko had shown some flashes of, of, um, of brilliance there, but certainly wasn't, you know, setting the world on fire. Had a couple of really good starts. Believe me, I watched him. I posted the videos. Just, you know, not like, okay, he's ready to move up. Yeah, yeah. This is some very aggressive movements from a GM who's already known for aggressive promotions. Uh, you know, Lesko is another guy that's in his first year of, of pro ball. You know, I mean, last year was his draft year, but he didn't yeah. play. So right. I, I guess I've been of the, like the first year in pro ball, you need to let guys settle in, figure yeah. out, how to manage their diet, their sleep, their travel, communication, being away from home, all this other stuff that's outside of 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 the lines. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what comes. Yeah. Um, so one other guy is joining the high A team. Addison Kopak, a third baseman, uh, is going up from the ACL. He was an undrafted free agent uh, that was signed this year right after the draft. Um, and then finally, starting to move up from from the, the ACL single A. You've got Dylan Head and Romeo Santabria. Dylan Head batted 294 with a 413 on base and a 471 slugging in 14 games. And Romeo Santabria, we've been mentioning his name a lot. He batted 359, <laughs> a 443 on base, and he slugged 617 in 50 games. That's a pretty good sample size. Yeah. The 14 games for Dylan, it's, you know, you start to see what the guy can do, but 50 games is a third of a, of a full major league season pretty yeah. much. And he was clearly out 
outclassed. Now, this was Santa Bria's second year in the ACL. Uh, last year, he was a catcher. This year, he's been playing first base in DH, uh, but he's a totally different guy. Last year, the the stat line, looking at, he, he wasn't hitting all that well. This year, he's tearing the cover off the ball. So, you know, I'm sad to see some of these guys leave uh, Lake Elsinore. It's been fun going up and watching Sammy yeah. Zavala and Dorshing and Robertson. Uh, but, you know, got a couple new guys to follow. And I'm definitely excited to go up there and see Dylan Head and... Uh, and uh, yeah. And I want to see them race. I want to know who's faster. <laughs> well, and I got to throw away all my Dylan Lesko questions. Because I was going to go up there, not this last weekend, but I'm going to go up there the last weekend of the season. And I was going to talk to Dylan. I was going to talk to HBJ and, and call it a season. I'm going to throw that out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw in the Dylan head or maybe even talk to Zammo. Well, we really hold not- on to those questions, save them for next spring, yeah. spring training. Maybe we can have a chance to run into those guys. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Go go up there. Try to get those guys. Yeah. The Exodus, there it is. The Exodus is complete. All right. Now let's go into a major league Exodus or at least a major league journey that was reported by Dennis Lynn. See, I'm I'm not so sure about this one either. So he it's- reported that the Padres have at least somebody within the organization floated the idea of the Padres okay. calling up Jackson Merrill. That was how I kind of read the article. It wasn't like, oh, we're thinking about it. It's right. somebody kind of mentioned it to Dennis, and he's taken the the notion and running with it because there may be something to it. Who knows? God, that almost sounds like the way you now the way you say it makes it sound like yeah, he's even thinking about calling up Jackson Merrill. Almost like a can you believe what he's thinking when he does this kind of thing? The kid's solid. The kid's g- doing great in Double A. Why change it? Why? It, it, you know, it, it's not like he's going to ruin him, but certainly, you know, I'll take this track. And this is the track that I was thinking when I first saw it, because I saw everyone's like, just screw player development. Um, That is something that I've said in the past that we bring up a lot of pitchers too soon. Ryan Weathers, Adrian Morahone, Michelle Baez, all those guys I think came up way too soon before they were fully cooked. Um, With Jackson Merrill, it's the, kind of the same thing. It's like, why would you, why would we go to, the finest restaurant and, you know, the, buy the finest flower. Me and John Conover were talking about this and he kind of mentioned this by the finest flower, by the, you know, the best butter and the wholest freshest eggs to make this amazing cake. And then Roy, you're like, just pull it out now, dude. It's done. Like it's done. Like let's, I'm hungry. Let's eat now, you know, <laughs> pulling it out well before it's time. Now that's what I think happens with the Padres when they do that. The other part of me thinks that it's 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 a well-deserved, you know, it, it's deserved, at least a deserved promotion. And this is what you need to do to get here. Because when he gets up to, if he does come up to the major leagues, that's what it is. It's the major leagues. It is a run, two runs, three. There are four A players. Um, this is where you need to be. This is where you're at. Now, if he, if he does go up, you know, gets in a few games, knocks the ball around and does well, I still think he should start the you know, next season in triple A, but there you go. So it, it's, you know, I, I go back and forth, but certainly you're just bringing him up. I think way too soon. Well, he played a bunch of time with the major leaguers in spring training. He held his own. Um, sounds like both on and off the field, the way he was handling himself. Uh, you couldn't ask any more from, from the kid, especially given the level that, you know, he was at. Um, it's definitely interesting that he's played first base, second base, and I think two games in left field this week uh, and looked pretty good out there. Um, so, 
yeah, you want to work on a little bit of, of versatility. You know, that that's definitely something when you look at, you've got Machado long-term, you've got Bogarts long-term, you've got Cronenworth signed to a long deal. Uh, I certainly hope Hassan Kim isn't going anywhere, right. but he's at least under contract for another year. Um, you know, so you start looking at, okay, where are we going to have opportunities? Uh, but so the Padres are allegedly still in the playoff hunt. So can you really rely on a kid coming up from double a with, you know, a, what a month and a half in double a and 20 at bats maybe. Yeah. And expect him to come up and be able to produce at a quality level for a team that is in contention. Now, if this team was you have 20 games out, and, you know, you're just writing off the season. Okay, let's bring somebody up and get him some major league at bats and see what he's got. Then, yeah, you go open up a spot. He's going to play every day. Yeah. But on this roster, no. No, you've got, you know, you need to sit, guys. So, okay, man, he's been DHing. You need to get Xander off his feet once a, once a week, that kind of thing. But so what? Is he going to rotate around? How's that going to work? Right. Well, and, and I think it's him playing left field. And this kid's an athlete and a half. Like, he can, he has athleticism much like Fernando Tatis Jr. To, to play all these positions. But playing him at a major league level is a whole different ballgame. I think him playing left field is a hedge against what looking like, what sounds like, I don't know, maybe this is just a horrible season talking of not signing Juan Soto long-term. And I don't even think that's a great idea, but it certainly could be why they have him moving around because the bat plays in double A and they need to find somewhere for him in the next year or two to be on the major league roster. Where is he going to fit? Is he going to be one of those super utility guys? Fantastic. If he goes up, he better play three, four days a week. You got to give this kid consistent at bats. You can't just, you can't just give him, you know, the spot start, you know, two or three, you know, twice a week. He needs consistent at bats. Well, the super utility thing is a difficult thing for anybody to do. Right. And people like to point out, okay, Ben Zobrist was able to play, every position on the field every day and do it successfully. But then you go back and you look his first two years in the league. First of all, he didn't make his debut till he was 25. Yeah. His first two years in the league, he only played second base. And then it was only after two, well, partial seasons. He, he didn't play a full season both years, but still first two years in the league. Then he started moving all over the place. You can't just bring somebody up and start jerking them all over the place. He's a shortstop. He's going to be a shortstop. His value is as a shortstop. So, but okay. You mentioned Soto and I, I, I'm not on board with this idea, but I got to throw it out there. There's a possibility that they trade Soto in the off season uh, because he's an incredibly valuable player. And he's also got a big, big page, big contract that he's arbitration, but he's going to draw whatever $30 million next year. Yeah. So you trade Juan Soto, you bring back some prospects. Now you've got $30 million. You can go out, sign some pitching. I, I, I get that strategy. I'm not on board with moving Juan Soto, but I get why some people might think that that's something that's, that's in play. And then if you're looking at opportunities for playing time, okay, left field just opened up. Maybe, maybe, but again, I, I, I don't know how you pull somebody from a month and a half in double a and make him a major leaguer next year. Few yeah. guys can make that yeah. kind of a leap. Yeah. And in the Texas league where it's pretty hitter friendly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It it's is dry now, Wolf, and it's hot out there and the ball the, flies. Wolf stadium is more of a pitcher's park among yeah. the Texas league, but still, I mean, the wind starts blowing and that all changes. <laughs>
Woo! Lots and lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Oh man. Okay. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. We'll see. I I don't think we're gonna see him come up, but it's it's an interesting idea to float out there at least. Okay, so Baseball America, Josh Norris posted a really good article about Samuel Zavala. Um, and I thought there were a cool a few cool angles in this article, so I threw it in here. So Josh writes, when Baseball America unveiled its updated organizational talent rankings, the Padres checked in at number seven overall. In any scenario, that's impressive. And I wanted to point that out right there. So MLB.com, I think they ranked the Padres org at ninth now. Um, Baseball America says seventh. So there's a lot of talent in the Padres organization, and it's moving its way up. And as we're talking about today, it's moving its way up quick. Uh, you know, it's still not a whole lot at the AAA level, but it's going to be there soon. Um, okay. So Josh writes away after dealing away prospects, like, and then he went on to list a whole bunch of guys that I don't want to mention because it hurts too much. The accomplishment is further magnified. It also means they've kept and acquired since then. The prospects they've kept and have acquired since then have performed and raised their stock. Catcher Ethan Salas, shortstop Jackson Merrill, pitchers Dylan Lesko, Robbie Snelling, each rank among the top half of BA's current top 100. Right-hander Jairo Iriarte checks in at number 100. Outfielder Samuel Zavala might be the next to join them, thanks to a special season in the low-A California League. Right now, the 19-year-old outfielder is hitting 271, 421, 459 with 22 doubles, 14 home runs and 20 stolen bases. If he hits one more home run before the season concludes, he'll join a club dotted with future big league stars. Since 2006, here are the teenagers who have hit 20 or more doubles and 15 or more home runs and stolen 20 or more bases. And he goes on to list 14 guys, but among them, Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr. You've got a bunch of of MVP caliber, yeah. multiple all-star caliber type players in this list. So what he's doing at this age is truly special. On its own, that's great company, but Zavala's season has one more wrinkle that makes it even more special. The Padres prospect has done all that, but has also drawn an eye-popping 86 walks, good for a rate of 19.1% of his plate appearances. So how many seasons from the group of players above have also included 80-plus walks? Only one. Rocky's top prospect, Adail Amador, who in 2022 hit 292, 415, 445 with 24 doubles, 15 homers, and 26 stolen bases at low A Fresno. Among teenage minor leaguers this year, Zavala's 4,359 pitches per 4.359 pitches per plate appearances ranks third. Zavala has shown patience and impact this season. There's a long way to go in his development, but he's on the doorstop doorstep of a special year. Uh, and one of the other things that I trimmed out here, he talked about just how many total pitches he's seen. Yeah. Um, and we hear guys talk about reps and, you know, and like even like first week of spring training, the guys are standing there and they're, and they're just tracking pitches because you have to see, you have to experience, you have to yeah. be in there to really learn and develop like that. Um, and so just a lot of really nice words to say about Zavala, who I think has kind of been overlooked a little bit since we've been putting so much focus on Salas and Merrill this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he has been overlooked and he has been hitting tanks. And there's room for improvement with that leg kick. You got to get the leg kicked down a little bit. Um, and he's his hard hit rate. I've seen a bunch of tweets from a couple of guys that I followed that are prospect guys about his hard hit rate. As we know, his dad tweets out every time someone tweets about how well Sammy's doing. I'm excited for the guy. 
I think he's got fire. I think that fire can light a, a team. I think it can get contagious to players around him. Um, I'm stoked for the kid. Yeah, he's been playing a pretty good center field, too. Yeah. Uh, and now he's going to be pushed. Now that you've got Homer Bush Jr., Dylan Head behind him, who are a couple absolute burners. Um, I have a feeling that Homer Bush is going to move fairly quickly, uh, being a college guy. Uh, so if he clicks, we may see both of those two in the same outfield, and that would nudge Zavala over to a corner spot, which is where the evaluators kind of thought he's going to wind up anyway, because um, he's got speed, but it's not burner speed. He's got a pretty good arm. Uh, but they think that the power is going to come as he, I mean, he's only 19 still. Yeah. So as he fills into his body, the power is going to come. The speed is going to drop off a little bit. Uh, I don't know that the leg kick is really going to change a whole lot. I, if he's, if he keeps hitting the way he's hitting now, when he moves up to high A and it continues, then just let him, let him be who he is. Yeah. yeah don't absolutely. mess with it too much. He's never going to be a high contact guy, but the fact that he's, not striking out a ton, drawing a ton of walks. Um, and it sounds like he's swinging at the right pitches. Those are the kinds of skills that carry through the upper yeah. levels. Yeah, that, that's that's the stat line that we don't see. The hard hit rate, all the underlying metrics of when he hits the ball and and not not, not hitting the ball with the walks um, are what the evaluators, are what I think the front office really looks for instead of just saying, oh, he's hitting for average. He's hitting a little bit, you know, he's getting a couple of walks. Um, I think we're going to have to push one article off. We had Brian Yandelson is a play-by-play broadcaster for the San Antonio Missions, and he has an article up that I would I put on the agenda, but we're not going to have time. We still have to get into the affiliate rundown. We're going to put that off into next episode. Um, we're going to have to miss that, so let's get ourselves into the affiliate rundown. All right. So as always, thank you, Mad Friars, for all the wonderful work you guys do. And by the way, they just had an art, a, a interview with Homer Bush Jr. that dropped today. Interesting article. Maybe we'll have some snippets in it uh, for next week. But they do a great job both covering what happens in the games as well as all of these great articles that they that they put out with interviews. Uh, so taking it to the storm. Strike one. On Wednesday, righty Jose Luis Reyes had his third straight solid start for the storm. After being roughed up in his first few starts, the 20-year-old from Mexicali has allowed five earned runs over his last three starts. He has a 2.93 ERA with four walks and 16 strikeouts in 15 and a third innings. With a hit and four at-bats Wednesday, Homer Bush Jr. just continues to reach base. He's 9-for-19 with four walks since joining Lake Elsinore. He also has four stolen bases in seven games. In 19 games since the Padres selected Bush in the fourth round, he has reached safely in 18 and stolen 14 bases without being caught. That last little part right there, without being caught. Being caught One yeah. of the things in the uh, interview that they talk about uh, was like his freshman year, he stole six bases. He got set, caught six times. His sophomore year, he got six caught six times, but he stole like 20 bases. It's learning when to go, how to read the situation, how to read the pitcher, how to get the proper lead. So you've got that extra foot, uh, you know, little things like that. Uh it's a really interesting article. It's oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Without stepping too far off off track, <laughs> they talk about being an athlete, playing all these different sports coming up, and then now he's got the ability to focus in kind of the mechanics and all the stuff he's been working on the last couple of years. It's all coming together right now. So get get up to Lake Elsinore and go watch Homer Bush Jr. Absolutely, and and with him, he's still learning the game. He is still absolutely raw, and he got picked in the fourth round. You know what I mean? So he has not only a ton of development, but it seems to be accelerating with, you know, certainly with uh, Grand Canyon University, 
moving into pro ball, it can accelerate that much faster. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so Sam Whiting made his full season debut. The 16th round draft pick threw a scoreless inning, walking one and striking out one. Righty Francis Pena tossed a pair of scoreless relief innings with two strikeouts. The 22-year-old, who only signed as an international free agent in the July of 2022, hasn't allowed an earned run through his first nine innings since moving up to the Cal League. This is one cool thing about this time of year. You see guys starting to make their full season debut, you know, guys recording their first strikeout, their first home run, their first win, their first save, all that kind of stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I got a lot of that stuff down lower in the, uh, in the uh, ACL rundown. So strike two Thursday, Javier Chacon earned his first win of the season and his third appearance back with the storm after a rehab student in the desert. The 20-year-old southpaw threw two-plus innings and one run of one-run ball and struck out four batters in the process. In 11 and third innings for Elsinore, the Havana native has struck out 11 batters but walks 12. The wildness has yet to bite him much as he's held opponents to 184 average to keep his ERA to 3.18 thus far. With a triple and a home run, Tyler Robertson slugged the difficult half of his cycle in an impressive outing for the 23-year-old outfielder who has been impressive with a 264, 353, 421, and 260 net bats for Lake Elsinore. Sammy Zavala clubbed his 14th homer of the 2023 season and scored a pair of runs. After scorching July slash line of 316, 481, and 618, Zavala has maintained a 255, 426, 489 line in August as the 19-year-old continues to display impressive power for the storm, soon-to-be Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Right. And speaking about soon to be Fort Wayne's in caps strike three on Friday, righty Dylan Lesko put together his second straight terrific outing, but was the hard luck loser. Lesko threw four innings and allowed just one run on two hits. He did walk three, but he struck out five. The former first rounder has enjoyed pitching at the diamond in three starts with the storm at home. He has a 0.82 ERA. He's allowed just three hits in 11 innings in two starts on the road. He has a 12.6 ERA. So the decision to move him up, it, you don't make that decision based on stat lines. You right. don't make that decision based on you, maybe he had a couple of unlucky, somebody jumped on a pitch in the right part of the zone. And, you know, you look at the underlying things. How's his location look? How does his movement look? How's, you know, how's his demeanor in between innings? How is he dealing when, when he struggles a little bit? How, what's he like after the game? That's the kind of stuff that they're looking at about, you know, when is a, a player ready to move him back up or move him up to the next level for the first yeah. time in this case? Absolutely. And and that curve, you know, people talk about his fastball and his changeup. That curveball is underrated and nasty. It is fall off the table nasty. Nice. Yeah. So you know those things that'll play in in, in high A as well. So um my big thing was like he's still just coming back from Tommy John. So why move him? <laughs> wow, we got real quiet real quick. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get on to let's get on to Fort Wayne and strike one Tuesday. The bulldog mentality was in full swing as Robbie Stalin uh, allowed a fair amount of traffic on the base pass. The 19-year-old allowed just two runs on six hits over six innings, walking three and striking out seven. Snelling loaded the bases with two outs in the sixth, but pumped a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at the top of the zone to earn his strikeout with his 98th pitch of the night. After a rough start on July 18th in which Snelling lasted just two innings, he has worked at least five innings and four starts, allowing just three runs in 22 innings. In seven starts since joining the tin caps, Snelling has a 2.34 ERA. 
That Beast sounds mode. kind of Blake Snell-ish. Very, very Snelling-like. <laughs> Snelling Snell. Yeah, working around traffic, high pitch counts, 98-mile-an-hour fastball at the top of the zone, all of that stuff. Yeah, and and what I like and what really matters, you know, you see it with these guys, and when they reach the major leagues, even the great starters, when they give up a couple runs, you're, how do those guys react? What do they do? The really great ones turn it around. And, and refocus and shut down those lineups. And that's what we see with him very, very early. He'll let a couple guys on. He'll give up a couple runs. He'll have to pitch his way out. So very much smelling life where he'll load the bases and they're like, all right, here it is. Hit it. Try it. You know what I mean? And just bulldog his way out of it. And that mentality will have him running through the system. You know, it seems like you Darvish is one of these guys that first inning, he can look shaky, Yeah. but then once he gets through that first inning, then he starts cruising. Yeah, absolutely. So Ethan South made his Parkview, uh, Parkview Field debut after joining the club on the road in Lansing. He finished the game two for four, notching a second high A RBI in the process. But if they wanted to get a glimpse at him in, uh, in uh, what, what's the nickname for in, in, in Fort Wayne? It's the Where Sunrise. Is it Sunrise City? No, oh, it's something else. The it's the something city. The summit city. Oh, the summit city. That's it. Yeah, if they want to see him at the summit city, I hope they got a quick a quick glance because he gone. Hey, right. All right. So strike two uh, on Wednesday. Graham Pauly needs to be challenged. Well, he's about to get challenged. Yeah. Pauly reached base safely three more times. While he's come down from hitting a home run in nearly every other game, he's still hitting 339, 362 with a 625 slugging in August and has posted a 935 OPS overall in 41 games since his promotion from low A. With a few weeks left in the season, Paulie sits at 17 home runs and 19 stolen bases. Right on his heels is Jacob Marcy, who picked up where he left off with another double, a home run, and he scored two more runs. Marcy now has five straight multi-hit games, an 11-game hitting streak, and a 19-game on-base streak. In 14 games this month, he's hitting 458, 600, 750. Hard-throwing Cole Paplam made his tin-cap debut. While he allowed two base runners, the undrafted free agent out of New Orleans settled down and threw a scoreless inning. Dude, he's got, Paplam's got closer mentality. He, he got another close uh, over the weekend. I think I might have it here. Um, but here's the thing. Graham Pauly, Jacob Marcy, and Nathan Mortarella are must-watch prospects. Like, these guys, when they come up, you're like, they're going to do something good. They're going to do something good, and they have been. You guys that are listening to this, watch double-A games simply for those guys. So you're going to get Jackson Merrill. You're going to get Graham Pauly, Nathan Mortarella. If he doesn't hit a home run, he they're, they're grateful to get him out of the Summit City because he dents that right field wall with lasers. I mean, I've seen him hit balls off the wall, and it bounced almost all the way back into the infield that's hit so hard. Well, now left field is going to be taking all that damage from Griffin Dorsey. <laughs> Get out the construction. These guys are going to tear down the whole city. All right, so strike three, Sunday. Victor Lizarraga spun six shutout innings in Fort Wayne, belted three homers. Right at Victor Lizarraga, done with a great outing for Fort Wayne. This was tweeted out. Sorry about that. Six innings pitched, three hits, no extra bases, no runs, five Ks, and one base on balls. 52 of his 79 pitches were for strikes. Jacob Marcy roped a solo bomb to right center on a 3-2 pitch in the first inning, and then shortstop New Williams to Daniel blistered one nearly to the same spot, making the fourth time the Tin Caps have hit back-to-back homers this season. 
Grand Pauly launched a two-run tank to right field, scoring first base in Nathan Mortarella. Now, I posted that video. I posted the Jacob Marcy and the, uh, the New Orleans Sedano. I think I missed the Marcy because I recorded it, and it was dark. I'm still learning my computer. Uh, but then, like, as I'm trying to do that, I'm watching the game. I'm like, oh, shit, Sedano just hit one, too. Damn. Um, Sedano had a walk-off, too, last week. It, we don't have that on here. We, and afterwards, he was able to get the ball back and and traded a signed baseball f- with the guy. I thought we had that on last week's. Did we have that on last week's? Maybe that was last week. That's just it a cool moment. Week. I always love those little yeah. fan interaction moments. All right, so let's take it out to San Antonio. Strike one on Thursday, Adam Mazur had his roughest outing since his... Yes, sir? Stop real quick. We should be ending... It should be... I've been wondering time? what's going on with the time. I feel like we should be running long. But it's recording. We're still going. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're still in. Yeah, we're still part one, five to five forty-five. Moving okay. on to San Antonio uh, for strike one on Thursday. Adam Mazur had his roughest outing since his return to the rotation, giving up three runs on five hits in his three and two-thirds innings. The positives from last year's second rounder was he walked only one batter and sat down seven via the strikeout and threw seventy-two pitches. Jason Blanchard stopped further damage late in the game with five outs worth of no-hit ball, striking out three batters in the process. The 2019 ninth rounder is two and two with a 5.03 ERA and 60 strikeouts in 39 and a third innings in the 2023 season. 60 strikeouts in 39 and a third innings. That's a good ratio. Marcos Castagnon got on board with his first hit of the series, slugging a double and driving in a run to go along with the walk. Hashtag Merrill Madness. Thank you, Jenny Merrill, for the moniker. (laughs) Uh, Continues as Jackson Merrill debuted in left field and stole home. The steal happened when the quick-thinking Merrill dashed home as the Rockhounds pitcher tried to pick off the runner at second on the same night Fernando Tatis Jr. had a straight steal of home in San Diego. The Padres continue to get looks at Merrill in different positions to perhaps find a role with him in the big league club. Now, did did you see the stole, the stealing home play? Hell yeah, I did. I was, I was watching the game. You've got a runner on third base. <laughs> Why is the pitcher throwing anywhere? Especially when the guy's got speed at third base. Right. Well, and the same reason why you got to pay attention to the guy at third in the major leagues. You have to be aware at all times who is on base, what they can do. And that's why those the, the, you know, straight steal. Normally those, you know, the pitchers kind of take that for granted. Like, okay, I'm going to throw the second. Like he isn't going to run. There's no way. Yeah, and he didn't even he didn't even fire it over to second. It was yeah. it was kind of a lazy lob that he had over to yeah. second base. Like, oh, I'm just checking in on you. Oh crap, I, I he's just, going. All right, I just love that because I tagged the Padres when that happened. I thought, look at this because the same night that Tatis did it. Yeah, now Tatis was just the pitcher was napping. I don't know what the pitcher right. was thinking, lefty, so he's got his back to third base. But I mean, he was just he was daydreaming about something, and next thing you know, there's Tatis stepping on home play and didn't even draw a throw. Didn't even draw a throw. And that's when you feel like, oh, God damn. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, so but then the- at the same token, you got to remember how many outs there are when you're standing on first base and uh, Manny Machado hits a tank that you think is out. Uh, you don't go trotting over to third base when there's less than two outs. You stay close uh, just in case it falls in the uh, warning track. Yeah. Womp, 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 womp. All right. Let's get on to strike two. Friday, Ryan Burgett's stock continues to rise. The Canton, Ohio native didn't allow a run and held the Rock Hounds at two hits in five and a third innings. A 4-6-3 double play helped him work around a double and an error in the first. 
Bergett rolled after the first. He sat down nine Rockhounds in a row, including three via the strikeout. Cameron Masterman broke the streak when he began the fifth inning with a double. Bergert locked in and stranded Masterman at second to maintain the scoreless tie. The mission started their half of the seventh with a bang as Marcus Castagnon doubled to right center to the right center field fence. Connor Hollis mimicked him with a double, but Castagnon had to hold up to see if the ball would drop in right field, so he only made it to third base. The consecutive doubles were enough to knock Boyle out of the game, and he was replaced by Jack Weisenberger. I pulled that straight from the email from the missions. Uh, on Weisenberger's first pitch, though, Juan Sabala lined a sacrifice fly to left field that broke the tie and put the missions on top. Back-to-back walks loaded the bases for Jackson Merrill, setting up a massive mo- moment. Merrill flew out to left. So San Antonio's lead was just 1-0 after seven innings of play. In the ninth, Ephraim Contreras got the save in dramatic fashion after a quick out. Contreras allowed a walk and a hit batter. With two outs, Contreras walked another rock hound to load the bases. I watched this game. I'm going, God, this is so Padre. That's just chewing your nails down to nubs. You know, you're just like, God, this is just you. It happens all the time in minor leagues. You you know, it it just happens a lot. And um, he... You know, he had the bases loaded on a two-strike count. The Wolves stadium faithful rose in unison as they roared when Contreras blew a fastball by him. Will Simeon to clinch the 1-0 win. And he went like, yeah, like he was pumped. Um, but Robert Berger cannot be like, he's another one of these guys that are just under the radar. There's so many other bigger names that had been mentioned in double-A with your Jackson Wolf uh, and your Jackson Marrows. All the Jacksons are in double-A. He is <laughs> quietly done really well. And and I looked into this. So Brigham, I think he was a fourth round guy back in 2022. He was a tin caps, best pitch pitcher last year. Yeah. He, um, he, uh, he went to Tommy John surgery and he's like, he was a, should have been a much higher rounded guy, but he had the surgery and the Padres got him like the fourth or fifth round, fourth or sixth round. I'm pretty sure. But this is another one of those kids that are quietly happens every year that just those, those kind of not high prospect guys, can just blow up and he's been doing fantastic in double a really quietly. You know, I was surprised to see I need to pay a little more attention. I was surprised to see Efren Contreras come in to try to get the save. Uh, but then I pulled up his, his log here. He made 17 starts for the missions, but his last 10 appearances have all been in relief. Yeah. Um, and he's been coming in late in games more often than not. So maybe he's uh, maybe they're, you know, taking a look at him in a, in a slightly different role. He was doing okay as a starter, uh, but interesting to see how he does as a reliever. All right. So I'll finish this off with strike three here uh, before you got a little bonus Sunday action here. Uh, strike three set on Saturday, Jackson Merrill playing a second game in left field, collected two more hits, including a single to drive in the missions only run in 30 games and 122 plate appearances with the missions. Merrill's tin caps is Merrill's OPS is up to 860, almost 100 points higher than he managed with the tin caps in 268 plate appearances to open the year. He's also played a game at second and first base in double A. Jairo Iriarte, age 21, only threw two and a third innings as the starter, but he made the most of his 50 pitches. The hard-throwing righty landed 32 for strikes as he punched out five Midland batters. Since joining the missions, he has a 3.21 ERA with 24 strikeouts in 14 and a third innings. Uh, He's allowed just 10 hits and has yet to give up a home run in short burst outings from the bullpen and now back in the rotation. I can't say enough about this kid. He is he has really done well since he's one of the podcasts. 
Hey, hey, no, podcast he was, Mojo no, coming right, through he, again. He was doing plenty fine with it before before he came on. But like the rise of this young 21-year-old has been phenomenal. Throws hard. Throws really hard. And this is one of those things where sure they're, they're making him come back as a starter, but three innings, like that's you know, that's middle relief. You know, like you're you're talking about uh Ever Contreras. Everyone starts out as a starter, but as you go up, as you get into pro ball. They find where you best fit and where you get the most value. So I see Efren Contreras, if, if he can be a, a, a middle of the relief, you know, middle innings relief guy, hell yeah, make that happen. Uh, Harry Iriarte, I really feel as a starter, but certainly, you know, the idea early in that season with him in double A was to see if he can be uh, in the bullpen. Yeah, I had some I, for, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm looking at uh, at Contreras here. They've been using him, you know, inning two thirds, two and two thirds innings, two innings. Yeah, it's not just one inning stints. Strike one <laughs> on Wednesday. The Albuquerque. Elevation allowed the Chihuahuas to rack up 20 runs, and the list of production is too long for even our long-form content format. Um, they hit six home runs on the night, including three by first baseman Brandon Dixon. Hence, he got you know PCL Player of the Week uh, in a route of the isotopes. The Topes. Uh, Dixon had a player's dream collecting a total of 14 bases in the game, equaling his total from the last 11 games combined. Even as even this late in the season, one game was enough to bring up his season slugging percentage from 460 to 527. If it wasn't for Dixon, the story of the game would have been 28-year-old Ray Patrick Ditter. Ditter had 11 bases on the day, coming a triple short of the cycle and settling for a second home run. Oh, didn't hit the cycle, but hit a bomb. Um, with Ditter helping uh, only being in El Paso for the past month, this one game raises OPS from 786 to 929. And nine August games, a veteran utility man is hitting 467, 579, and 900. Kevin Cobbs made his AAA debut and immediately received a rude awakening with a walk and a double to start the game. He would also pitch out of it, striking out the next two batters, but a two-out error allowed both runs to score. He would close out the inning, then striking out two more in the next. He maxed out at 96.4 miles per hour, generating 2,987 RPMs with his cutter across both levels, Cops has a 2.54 ERA and 11.3 K to nine rate. Now I saw him pitch on Sunday and I had video. Once again, I had video, but it came out dark. His slider is nasty. Like he, they, they've done something with him. They, they have changed this kid and he now is starting to show what we were hoping to see when they drafted him last year. Like he is going to come up to the bullpen and he is going to be high leverage, get out there, get us some outs kind of guy. Good, good. I know a lot of people have been waiting for him to turn that, that corner. That's just not hyperbole. Like, I, like it was nasty. So, Brandon Dixon, 14 bases in the game. I had to look this up because last year he had that one game where he went off. You remember that? Yeah. So, last year in AA San Antonio, he had nine RBIs in one game in which he hit for the cycle. He had two singles, a double, a triple, and a homer. And if my quick math adds up, that comes out to 14 bases. So, he tied his number of bases, but I don't think he quite touched nine RBI in, in last week's game. Uh, but how about Ray Patrick Ditter hitting two home runs in the same inning? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, well, he's 28 years old in double A. So, and he does, I believe, have major league experience. But 
another one of those guys where you just have him, you put him in the system and, and see where he ends up. This is his second go around with the Padres. I believe they picked him up last year, uh, mid season as a uh, minor league free agent. I remember because he's from Aruba and last year Profar was on the team. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of people from, from Dutch speaking countries. Now you got Bogarts on the team, uh, you know, kind of interesting. I just, tr- it's an odd place. There aren't a lot of players from places like Curacao and Aruba. In Trinidad, uh, Trinidad, is it Trinidad? Tobago? Tobago? Yeah. Tobago. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to strike two on Friday. After a horrid outing last time that ended his rehab assignment with an option from the big league club, Adrian Morahone looked much sharper and earned the win. Right there. So his rehab is over. He came off the injured list. The Padres optioned Morahone to AAA El Paso. No big surprise. Uh, so Morahone uh, pitched one and two thirds innings and allowed two hits, notching a pair of strikeouts. Last time out, the 24 year old lefty allowed seven earned runs without recording an out. Boy, talk about being in the grinder. Wolf. The outing lowered his AAA ERA to 6.97. That's one of those. It's just like you you can pitch great for the whole rest of the season, yeah. and that ERA is still going to look look like dog do. Uh, catcher Brett, Sul- Brett Sullivan had a pair of hits and drew a walk in the win. The 29-year-old has excelled in August as he awaits his next big league opportunity. The former Rays and Brewers farmhand is hitting 409, 449, 591 with a pair of homers. Jay Groom once again struggled with command. The 24-year-old got through four innings and allowed five runs on six hits. He walked four and struck out six. Groom seemingly turned a corner during a fantastic July in which he pitched to a 3.77 ERA in five starts, but things have turned sour in August. The former first-rounder has put up a 12.34 ERA in three starts this month. Man, Jay Groom, come on, get it together. We need you. Well, and and the thing is, it's kind of like the Padres' big league season. It just, it snowballs. And you get out of sync with your mechanics. You get out of sync with your mindset. It just, you know, you can have these seasons. The kid has got the stuff. Like he's shown in AAA that he's got the stuff, the consistency, you know, hopefully something in the off season that he can, he can tighten up. And once again, that guy could be pushing for a, for a, for a spot in the rotation or at least somewhere in the bullpen. Um, even after all those credit numbers that he's had in the Pacific Coast League, like there's a player that when he came into this system, had a fantastic spring, high hopes, and the PCL happened. And like the PCL could ruin a guy's career. I seriously mm. think it happened. I think it happened with, with Weathers. I, you know, certainly happened with Morahone. Morahone is a beast. Fastball, curveball, everything is there. Just something about the PCL, something about what he's doing. That's not letting these guys put it together for a consistent well, you know, amount of time. There's 14 other teams that have a team in the PCL and some of them figure out how to get guys through that league and turn them into good quality major leaguers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Padres have to figure it out at some point. It's it. I, I don't like using that as a, as an excuse or a crutch or blaming the league, blaming the ballpark, blaming the environment, blaming the ball, whatever it is. And right. the other team, the other teams there in the same game, they're they're all playing right. in the same the same environment. It's right. something it, something's got to give. Right, and since we follow this organization, we don't see those guys that are like hell. You know, he's supposed to be a rocky starter, you know, coming up, but you know, he's tanking in Albuquerque or you know, someone in in 
you know, for the Rainiers or something like that. You know, Albuquerque is an interesting fit for the Rockies, though. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Like, <laughs> okay, if guys need to learn how to play at altitude, let's have them play at right. way In altitude. altitude. <laughs> yeah, that's e- even way higher than than where a uh, uh, mile high field is. Course, course field. If you can pitch in Albuquerque, you can pitch in course field. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> All right, take us to Anderson Espinosa. Okay, on Saturday, Anderson Espinosa pitched seven shutout innings and the Chihuahuas 5-3 lost. Espinosa didn't allow any hits until there was one out in the seventh inning. It was the second time in his last four starts that Espinosa pitched seven innings and didn't allow any earned runs. He finished the night with five strikeouts as he needed only 86 pitches to go seven innings for the second time this month. I love the efficiency right there. Yeah. The one-time top prospect has had six outings of at least six innings and two or fewer earned runs on the year, but has been hit hard just as often, leading to a 5.6 ERA overall. The Chihuahuas took a one nothing lead in the top of the eighth on Brandon Dixon's RBI single before Albuquerque scored five runs in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah. El Paso's other two runs came on a two-run double play uh, by Ray Patrick Ditter in the ninth inning. Tim Lopes and Tiersor and Nellis both had hits for the Chihuahuas on Saturday. El Paso's second baseman, Matthew Batten, was ejected in the top of the eighth inning. Matthew Batten seems like a pretty level-headed fellow. I wonder what got him so fired up to get him ejected. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, you know, by this time it's late in the night and, uh, and I didn't get to watch the end of that game. Also something that we missed this week, um, who just broke the hit by pitch? Oh, in double A, Reyes. Ripken Reyes. Ripken yes. Reyes. Broke the minor league record for hit by pitch in a season? Which was held by, I want to say Lee Solomon, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it was 45, but he got hit and it was the, the 44th or 45th time he got hit uh, hit by a pitch in the season. Unreal. Oh, man. Now I want to find. Okay. Ripken <laughs> Reyes broke the all-time record. I'm trying to find the number. Trying to find who he took the record from. Anyway, move on. I know Ty France. Ty France was racking him up for a while. Uh, who was Lee Solomon's teammate that was there in, in Fort Wayne that was getting him all the time? I don't remember. Anyway. Oh, congratulations, God, Ripken Reyes. You're in the record books. <laughs> He had the most bruises from a pitch this season. Um, God, you know, his name is failing me too. It wasn't Lee Solomon. It was the other guy. We've had him on the podcast. Ah, uh, all right. Let's slow it down and get us out of here with the AC. Wanye Williams Sutton. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Love that guy. Poor guy. Um, anyway, strike one for ACL. Tuesday, right fielder Braden Carpotheus. Carpathios. 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 Uh, very Greek name. He's straight from Greek, from Greece. Uh, had a pair of doubles as a part of a three-hit night. The 20-year-old outfielder had a 31% walk rate with Lake Elsinore, but outside of that, he failed to make much of an impact with his bat. It's been a different story for him in the ACL. His perfect night at the plate raises Arizona Complex League OPS to 1.091. First baseman Daniel Montaniso, Montesino, Doubled and drove in a pair of runs. The 19-year-old showed a ton of potential in 21 when he hit 316, 444, and 489 in 56 games with the DSL Padres. He missed all last year after having Tommy John surgery. Once upon a time, there was a man named Lothar the Carpathian. Yeah. <laughs> he was the emperor of the Carolingian Empire in the uh, in the 9th century AD. 
I thought it was the Lothar of the Hill people. That was the old Saturday Night Live scare. I am Lothar of the Hill people. Oh my God! Yes, Mike Myers. Oh God! That's yes. Crazy. Okay. So, uh, but on serious note, uh, strike two on Thursday. Luis Gutierrez gave up four runs on four hits, but the twenty-year-old lefty walked one and struck out six in the span. The Cabimas Venezuela native has walked 23 while striking out 40 in 39 innings in 2023. An impressive feat in the free pass heavy complex league. I guess it's free pass heavy because not a lot of pitchers have good command. Uh, after going over three in his professional debut, Ryan Wilson homered in his second outing, giving the 2023 ninth rounder a 167 batting average and a 953 OPS in today's ish- edition of fun with small sample sizes. <laughs> The 21-year-old Wilson played his collegiate baseball at Davidson before being selected with the 281st pick in this summer's draft. Okay, he's batting 167, but his OPS is 953. So talk about free pass heavy. That means he's drawing a lot of walks. Yeah. And the couple of times he's hit the ball, he's got they've gone for extra bases. Absolutely. So sorry about that. John Nolan just had to double check to see if um if Sammy's dad is who Sammy's dad is on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jay-Z Tiburon is Simmons of all's papa, John Nolan. All right, let's move on. Strike three, Saturday, Dylan Head hit his first professional home run. The 25th-year-old, uh, the 25th overall pick in the 2023 draft, has 15 hits in his first 14 games, with six of them being for extra bases and three stolen bases in four attempts. His most impressive statistic, maybe his 11 walks to nine strikeouts in 60 plate appearances. Daniel Montesino our 20th ranked prospect coming into the season per mad friars had a pair of hits to extend a red hot August after hitting 242 in June and 128 in July this month. He has a 395, 477, 477. That's right. 477 twice slash line and 43 played appearances. You know, Dylan has an intriguing guy yeah. and you know, there, there are kind of little flashes of CJ Abrams and maybe little Xavier Edwards in there uh, as a center fielder. Um, and then the, the buddy Reed comparisons with Homer Bush jr. Although it sounds like Homer's got a better hit tool than buddy Reed ever had. Uh, it's, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of interesting movement going on in the Padres minor league system and some, some guys that you got to get out and see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm so tired of this whole year even after all the the trades last year, like there's no there's no one in the system. The system has been racked, you know, has been has been bled of talent to to fill the major league roster. Finally, Don't believe did, everything that you read, folks. Right, it's on the internet. It means it's true. No, it's just nice to see these guys come up. You know, nice to see them starting to get into double A. I'm excited to watch. Um, absolutely excited to watch the missions again this uh, this week, uh, in the coming weeks. I would watch, you know, I started in Fort Wayne, then about an hour later, it's double A, then about an hour after that, it's it's uh, there's El Paso, and an hour after that, like, I watched all four of those games, and I go in, in between the last two, watching the storm, because they're the closest, those are the guys I really want to be able to watch and, and kind of see where they're at and be able to talk about their performance whenever I interview those guys. Um, but damn, that double A team is stacked now. Well, we're sitting here on August 21st, 
the uh, I, I got the double A, the mission schedule pulled up in front of me. They're full season runs until September 17th. And then you've got a few postseason games after that. So there's still another month of minor league baseball. So if anybody out there is a Padres fan and they're ready to start tuning out on the Padres, which a lot of us kind of are, we're getting to that yeah, point. Absolutely. I got a bunch of tickets left to use, so I'll keep going. But, you know. Rather than flipping on the Padres game just by default every night, I might be flipping it over and seeing what's happening in the minor league system a little more often. And if you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on an overpriced food court in downtown San Diego, you spend a quarter of that amount going up to Lake Elsinore for a quick drive to watch Dylan Head, to watch HBJ, to watch some of these young guys. I, you know, I didn't put in oh, Henry Baez in Fort Wayne. but like Oh, Romeo Santa Bria. I want to see what Romeo Santa Bria's got. Beast mode. Like, there are plenty of reasons to go up there and if you have kids it's another way they're just it, there's access to players there's fun things there's the hill um there's um, there's thunder there's thunder you know they have all kinds of games in between inning stuff the entertainment to keep them busy while you buy a beer and, and you know in a sandwich uh it, it, the value is there and it's minor league baseball and it's those guys you're gonna see before anyone else sees them and you'll be able to see you saw them first before the show this is where they go Yes, Lake Elsinore. All right. Well, let's move on with this exodus moving on, movement of the people. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. And I'm at SD Donovan on Twitter. All right. Well, let's go. Let's go storm. Exodus. Right. Oh, yeah. Movement of the people. people.